We're Lewis and Pete from Personal Trainer Paul. We've built up over 14 years of combined experience personal training and now we're here to help gym floor personal trainers to earn more money, get more clients and reduce the stress and anxiety of starting out in the industry. Let's dive into this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Personal Trainer Portal podcast, episode 34. How are you doing, Pete? Great, mate. How are you? All good. You're not great, though, because you've just been telling me how you've got a cold. Now, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, when people ask you, you tend to say great. And like just the other day, I sort of passed someone and they were on a mobility scooter and I just said, hiya, you all right? No, no, I'm not actually. And you you just don't know what to do with that. So I think generally you just say, yeah, I'm all right, don't you? But really reaction, isn't it? Isn't it? But, you know, I didn't stop the man on the scooter after that. But now I'm just intrigued. What what was going on that day that he was suffering? I mean, he looked happy enough, but he just passed me on his mobility scooter. And yeah, he said he was having a bad day. So I'm not all right. Yeah. I mean, what do you say back to that? Oh, really? What's going on? You know, because then like you could be there. Yeah, you yeah. could be there forever. But exactly. uh, no, going back to me. Um, well, where do it was I me start? last Tuesday. I've got man flu. Yeah, yeah. man flu. Serious man flu. Devastating. It is. I mean, if you're female and listening to this, you will never know what me and Lewis have suffered. And with this. you know what it is? It's just as well. Because it's brutal. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. Oh, you you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy, would you? No. So uh, yeah, apologies if I sound a bit um, horse. Horse. Horsely though. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's your that's your surname. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to be doing something. I don't want to say different, but slightly different style to what we normally do. Normally we have a topic. And we'll go and delve into it. Whereas today, we're going to almost just reiterate what our journeys were like. Because I think a lot of the time in these podcasts, we can give advice. But now we actually want to talk a bit about how um, we got to the point of building up a full diary, for example. And some of the struggles, some of the problems we dealt with and how we got over them when we were new PTs on the gym floor back in 2015, six Six and a half years ago now, which is it's mental to think about. It was six and a half years ago. There was there was no COVID back then, was there? No. It was all just We lived in a a world of just happiness. Just work. There was no work hard. No hassle traveling. There was no no bother, was it? No. You just got on. Work hard, play hard. That's what we did. Indeed. Indeed. So we're gonna be talking about the struggles of a new personal trainer. So, like I just said, we're going to delve into a little bit of our story and how... We're not going to talk about what we did before and the level two, the level three PT qualification, because you don't care about that. But we're going to talk about what it was like for us when we first started, what we struggled with, and then, you know, how we overcame it and what we learned along the way. So, since I'm talking now, Pete, do you want to go first? Um, You know, pretty broad, but take it away. Where do I start? So um, it was a case of we uh, we finished PT school, didn't we? And um, not together. I didn't do that. Not not together. It, it would have been great if we'd done PT school together, wouldn't it? 
Um, probably wouldn't have got much done, though, would we? Um, but yeah, so finished PT school, and it was a case of I'm now in the big bad world of you know reality, and it's like right, you've done your your course, you need to find an actual gym to work from, wasn't How it? How old were you at the time? Like 26, 27? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, and basically, it was a case of. I think I looked around for a little bit and there wasn't anything straight away. And then obviously uh, there was a new gym opening on quite a nice area in Newcastle um, where me and Lewis met in the end. But yeah, we went for the interview there, got the interview, but it at that point the gym didn't exist when we'd gone for the interview. So it was, you know, quite a, probably an informal interview. Would be, um, <laughs> say that again would be the uh, the way to describe it. But yeah, it was a case of um, just waiting for that to open, wasn't it? And then um, it was good though, because it meant that we got straight in and got to give tours when the gym actually got built and ready to go. Um, there was a big, maybe, was it two or three weeks before the gym? Two. You know, like when people could come and have a look around. Yeah, I weeks. think it was, I think we did a two week, what did they call it? Like a, the, like a, I've, I've been trying to think of the name and it, it was a name Rick called me. it. I can't remember what it was. Um, it was like, basically what, oh. what Pete's trying to say, it was essentially we had um, two weeks where members of the public could come and view the gym, have a look at it and sign up, but couldn't actually use it until the opening day. Yeah, so there was a lot of sort of, you know, they did a lot of marketing and flyering and trying to push people through the door. And then when people would come in, you'd welcome them, introduce yourself and give them a tour of the gym and sell the gym, I suppose. And then um, depending on how switched on you were, you'd try and get them, you know, mention PT, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, And then from there, it was sort of, you know, if you were lucky to pick up some clients when it opened, you'd you'd PT them, I suppose, from there. But then, you know, I don't know about you. Did you pick anyone straight up or not before? What, in the in that in, two week pre pre opening <laughs> thing, I can't remember what it's called. Um, yeah, did it, I? Yeah, it, I think I did. Yeah, did you? I think I got. I think it was near the end of that two weeks. I picked up one or two. Yeah, um, and that set me off. I think I remember um, you saying that in those two weeks that you hadn't picked up many, but when the gym did open, you picked up a lot quickly, uh, quite quick from yeah, when it did I'm, open. I remember I was really frustrated because some of the PTs that maybe were better at sales picked up quite a few. I think I like... picked up in the in those two weeks, I think I picked up maybe three or four. So yeah. I think I was one of the PTs who, when we opened... I actually did have a couple of clients. Yeah, I was probably calling you back then because I didn't really know you that well and you'd picked up more clients than me. So I was probably thinking, geez, that Lewis, what a dick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's just frustrating because you think, oh God, this this is really hard. You know, we'd, we'd had that two-week period, but I hadn't really picked any up. And then you see other PTs picking clients up. Maybe that's just because they're better at selling or you know packaging the service so just for people listening just for people listening how 
in those two weeks, how did you go about trying to sell? What was the method you'd use like in, you know? I mean, the gym I think it? at the start, it was probably very relaxed in terms of trying to sell the gym. And then almost a bit of an afterthought near the end, oh, PT as well. And it's that's not the way I do it. And I can see now clearly where the error of that uh, technique was. But I think you come out of PT school um, and it's a bit like, where do you start? Like the, the, there's no sort of approach as there are. You know, you, know, you haven't. Doing. No, you, you haven't learned, like, this is how you pick up clients or try these methods. It's, it's like almost just learning on the job, isn't it? And, like, trying to figure it out as you go. I was probably going on the internet and Googling, like, sales techniques or, you know, like, ways to pick clients up, probably doing that. But I think from talking to some of the management and stuff, they gave me little sort of tips and, and you know, suggestions. Because I think, like, with our management, they were quite savvy, weren't they? Yeah. In terms of, of marketing and, and sales. So it was picking up what you could you could learn. And then, obviously, inductions went a bit wild at the start because everyone sort of needed one at the start, didn't they? Mm-hmm. So you'd pick people up from that as well, but that, that was slow going. And then like well before data protection they would give you leads wouldn't they mm. i just don't yeah this think is back in, that even in back in 2015 that there was less yeah as you say regulations on sharing emails whereas obviously there were some regulations but it wasn't quite as strict as it may be now so yeah. i think we we're allowed to they were allowed to get emails from the members if they'd said they were interested in PT and then the management would pass those emails to us where I don't think you could do that now. So in the first few weeks, how many clients, obviously, you know, I don't remember exactly, but roughly how many clients did you have? I'd say quite, quite little first couple of weeks, maybe two or three. Yeah. So you're doing what, like three to six sessions for the the first uh, per week in the first month, for example. Yeah. But then, I think I cottoned on to the fact, you know, maybe getting some friends in, PT in them um, at busy times. So even though I didn't have many paying clients, I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to get some friends in, family, whatever, in PT, then for free. But, you know, at peak times when the gym's busy and people just get to see you. So I was also putting myself in the shop window, essentially. And then I was just like maxing out the amount of time I was in the gym, you know, even though I didn't have a lot of clients, I was probably, you know, in there all day. Yeah. Just show because my you face seem to go, or... you seem to go from relatively quiet at the start, like all of us were really, to being pretty busy, if not, you know, very busy within like three months. About that, was it about that time frame? Or would you say it was a bit longer? I'd, it felt like longer, I think, because I, I do remember those first few weeks just being like, what is it I'm not doing? Like, what is it the others are doing that I'm not? Like the other PTs, I mean, um, and thinking like, am I cut out for this? I think that doubt creeps in, doesn't it? Especially when you don't have clients. And then, yeah. like you say, I think it was probably longer than a few weeks, but 
once I got myself together with it and and almost figured it out, but maybe I didn't know how I figured it out exactly. It just sort of figured itself out. I mean, if if we analyze it now, I could probably tell you how I figured it out. But at the time, I think I didn't maybe know how I'd cracked it. But then when they started to come, like you say, it was like a conveyor belt. Like they were just flying in. And before I knew it, I was it was like Groundhog Day. Yeah. And I was, you know... I was aiming for my million pounds, like we discussed it on a couple of podcasts ago, so, you know, trying yeah. to get So to summarise, in those two weeks before the gym opened, you didn't, you picked up maybe one or two clients. First few months, you were still quite quiet. You didn't really know what you should be doing. You, one of the tactics you used was to get people like family or friends and PT them at busy times. To, sh- to look like you were busy to other members of the gym so they could potentially see you, be interested, then ask you. And then it took you th- around four to five months, maybe the end of 2015, so yeah, about three to five months to actually be, you know, busy to the point where you were doing maybe more than 15 sessions a week. Is that about right? Yeah, I think you've nailed it there, really, describing that. That's how it That's how it would be. Um, but in that period, obviously, there was a lot of self-doubt, you know, until I got those hours coming in. Um, and I think that's probably like that for a lot of PTs out there, really. What would you say were the biggest struggles? Biggest struggles? Uh, for the for In the first for, six months? Well, knowing what, to, knowing what to do, what to say, um, being nervous about how you approach people, um, you know, what you needed to maybe be saying to people and, in you know missing those opportunities i suppose they were the struggles um in terms of like you've just got to put the time in haven't you like i never struggled with putting the time in um you know i, I was a grafter um and made sure you know when other pts maybe came and went and didn't see the value of staying around i did and you know that's obviously a bit of sacrifice because you're not getting anything for that and it's hard to see it, but further down the line, you'll, you know, you'll get that back if you know what I mean. Yeah. So when you managed to be, you know, quote unquote busy to the point where you're doing a decent amount of hours per week of PT, how did you find that was like, how did you manage your, I know you were just saying your time. How did you manage your time in general between your clients to picking up more clients? And what were what were the struggles then? I think obviously I, I had a very open policy of booking clients of if you want it, you get it. So <laughs> um, you know You were known bit, for that. I was known for that. So the way I thought of um getting busy was just to make myself available at all hours, uh, which obviously us talking now, we can see the error of that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd take bookings as early as possible to as late as possible and anywhere in between. And I think now hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? And obviously, I think when you first start, one of the biggest struggles is knowing that you can say no and that you almost think, well, I don't want this to say like someone approaches you a member and they say, well, I want these crazy times. Like, 
saying no and putting your foot down isn't mean doesn't mean usually that they're going to go well. I don't think you're the PT for me. I'm I'm going yeah. to go and see, you know, Joe Bloggs over here. I hear he does ten o'clock every night of the week. Um, so I think that that is an area that you need to sort of figure out and have a bit of um, every with it, I suppose, in terms of saying, well, no, but here's some other times I could do. And and I think if someone's that keen on you and you've done the consultation well and and got across what you can do for them, I think they'll bend to your demands, won't they? Yeah, and I, I think it, it's a better way to start a relationship because if from the offset you're just saying, yeah, I'll do any time you want, we'll do what you want. I think then when you need to put your foot down and maybe say, no, you need to stop doing this or I can't do that or they're turning up late or being flaky, then well, all of a sudden you you were very relaxed with me and now you're getting like putting your foot down and then the client's thinking well you've changed so i think um it's about setting those expectations and i don't think that was ever well i never learned the expectation thing until further down the line i feel yeah um you know from doing maybe other courses and things um and talking to other pro- professionals in the industry that are established and they give you some feedback and information you think shit like i wished i'd known some of this stuff at the start that's the thing isn't it you know in hindsight we'd do a lot of things differently yeah especially as a new pt oh it's almost like a toolbox isn't it and like i feel my toolbox was empty when i started and i had to buy the tools along the way just from learning what i needed whereas you know if if someone's listened to to us or talking to any established professional like PT that's, you know, if you, a little bit further down the road, they probably could give them some tools um, that they could use straight from the start and it would set them up for a, a smoother journey. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I mean, that's Pete's side of things. Going on to my side of things, I qualified as a PT in beginning of 2015, beginning of 2015, spring 2015. And then I knew that I needed a job. So I typed in on Google, personal trainer jobs, Northeast. I'm from Newton Aircliffe, which is the other, what, how would you describe it? It's not within walking distance of the gym that we worked at, <laughs> put it that is it, way. Is, is it not classes Darlington or not? It's not classes, darling. So what, one thing I need to do is I need to get Pete on a like a Northeast geography course or something like that. Anyway, so I was 19 at the time and I didn't drive. So I remember typing in on Google, personal trainer jobs, Northeast. First one that came up was this one. What Pete's already talking about, the Gosforth one, in which, if you didn't know, is in Newcastle. And I knew it was a relatively affluent area for Newcastle. And I thought, that's great. But I was thinking, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to travel there or get there. So I ended up just applying and then ended up getting a response from the manager at the time and ended up having that informal interview. Again, as Pete just said, the gym wasn't open at the time. It was actually being built or getting, I think it was like a furniture store. Then they were, was it a furniture store? And then they were getting getting it done out in yeah, the gym. I think it'd been like secondhand furniture yeah. or something. Yeah. So sure. they were doing all that out when we were doing our informal interview. 
So anyway, I found out that I was able to start there and then just made it work. I ended up getting the bus from Newton Aircraft to Durham, train from Durham to Newcastle, and then the metro from Newcastle to South Gosworth. So it was like a two-hour trip one way, like an hour and a half to two-hour trip one way just to get to work. So anyway, started there. We did our first two weeks, as Pete just said, like that pre-opening um, couple of weeks where we could speak to the members of the gym, almost sell the gym. But in the back of your mind, we're thinking we want to sell our PT. You know, yes, we want more members in the gym, but really what we cared about was our business, you know, our self-employed PTs. And just like Pete said, I didn't know how to sell my services whatsoever. I remember being on the gym floor, walking around in a, you know, an empty gym with loads of new equipment in there, knowing that if I didn't pick up a few clients, like, I'd, I, you know, I'd have no money to be able to, you know, because I had the um, expenses of paying for the train and the all the transportation to actually get there. So I knew I needed to pick up clients relatively quickly. And I remember people would come in and have a look around the, the gym, you know, you'd show them around. And, you know, I was only a young 19-year-old lad at the time. And it was a bit of a baptism of fire to me, you know, because you'd have, you know, middle-aged people in the 50s, 60s wanting to look around the gym and then potentially interested in personal training. But when you're a 19-year-old lad who's just finished the level 3 PT, who's never received... um a decent amount of money off someone you know it, it it is quite difficult to know what you should be saying and how you should be saying it so i think as peter said i i think i picked up around three to four clients within those two weeks i remember being pretty happy with that i remember it was maybe like five to seven sessions worth so i think on our first full week i might have done seven sessions worth of personal training which was decent I, I was really happy with that you know because it was the first week of it opening so it, it i think i was charging maybe 25 to 30 quid at the time so maybe earned maybe 200 quid within the first week which again i was really happy with i still remember vividly to this day the first well one the first bit of cash i got in hand and the first bank transfer that i got so i think it was from the first two clients one gave us cash one transferred us maybe about 150 quid, for example, um, for a block of sessions. And I remember just thinking like, this is mental. Like I've just received 150 quid off someone. Like, and now I've got to do the work. <laughs> so I remember the first few weeks, as Pete just said, of the gym actually opening where there's loads of members in there. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. All we knew really was that we, the more we were there, the more chance we had of picking up clients. We didn't have any systems. We didn't have a structure in place of knowing what to say to people. All we knew is that one, we needed to pick up clients and two, the more we were there, the more chance we had of picking up clients. So Pete said he was there all the time. He was there more than me because as I said, I didn't live in Newcastle. So I had to, I was, I only had windows each day of when I could be there, which was between like 11 in the morning. So I was never there early morning between like 11 and eight in the evening. So I was normally there between those times. And I would again, go around, speak, speak to people, almost just introducing myself. But again, I didn't really know what I should be saying. So I think a lot of the time I'd end up saying the wrong things in terms of like, maybe trying to sell myself 
too soon. You know, I'd ask what they were doing and then be like, oh, I'm a PT. Do you want to know more about PT? And people would just be like, no, no I'm fine. I, I just want to, you know, I just want to do these exercises. Thank you for your help. And then I'd almost take it personally that people didn't want training. I used to think, well, I'm a PT. Is there something I'm saying wrong? I don't understand why they don't want personal training. And I wouldn't say I'd beat myself up over it, but I would take it almost personally that people wouldn't want to train with me. But really, in hindsight, looking back, it was just because I didn't know exactly what I should be saying and how I should be saying it to deliver a lot of value to that member so they knew me, liked me, and trusted me to eventually becoming a client. So I think by the end of 2015, so what was that, six months of working as a personal trainer, I think I was maybe doing like 12 to 15 sessions a week. I don't think I was as busy as you were, but I was about 12 to 15 sessions. Again, I had a limited amount of, you know, I couldn't do early morning. So any client who wanted to do early morning, I, I couldn't do it. So I'd have to just, you know, send them to someone else. So I think 13, 14 sessions I'd do a week. And I was happy with that at the time. Like that was enough for me to cover my bills. And I was living at home at the time. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't drive. So I didn't have massive bills. So that amount of money for me, was was fine but again i always wanted to build up to doing 20 plus sessions i just didn't know exactly what i should be doing and i think a lot of the time pete you know we was when we were on our uh shifts so if you don't know we've said this in previous podcasts we used to do 12 hour shifts for the gym we didn't pay any physical money each month for rent we had to do 12 hours where we'd give tours inductions classes etc but a lot of the time i'd speak to people on inductions um and if I could be bothered, speak to people. But a lot of the time you just stood at the front desk waiting for clients to come to you. And I remember thinking like, you know, surely there's hundreds of members coming in and out of the gym when I'm here. Surely people are just going to come up to me and ask for PT. And don't get me wrong, sometimes people did do that every now and then, but it wasn't very often. Most of the time you'd, you've got to give a member, a gym member, a reason to want to PT with you. And I think the more time went on, the more I realized that the more value I add to someone and actually providing them with something they could actually um, could be of benefit to them and they could apply to their workouts without trying to just sell them personal training straight away, the more clients I got. And I think as the months and as the years went on, I realized that having a set structure in place to know exactly what I needed to say to lead them down that conveyor belt, as me and Pete always talk about, to that first initial conversation of introducing yourself to then another conversation of providing value, seeing what their problems are, building that know, like, and trust, and then meeting up with them again, and then maybe getting them into a consultation where you can really sit down with them and work out exactly what their problems are and what you can actually do to benefit them and get them to their goal. So there's almost like three to five stages of them becoming a client as opposed to what I used to do was just try and speak to people on the gym floor and then just turn them into a client like that without really providing them any value. And I think that's what a lot of us did, wasn't it? And you always, always, there was was a lot of PTs who would come and go. And what we mean by that is like, we were at that public gym for what, three to four years in total, three years, maybe three years. And... There was a lot of PTs who'd start last anywhere between two to five months and then just leave because they didn't pick up any clients. 
And I think, what what would you say was one of the main reasons that they didn't pick up clients, a lot of the people? Well, um, I think, obviously, one was, you know, that I suppose we all, we all, and I've touched on it earlier when I was talking about my experience of, you know, didn't have the tools in the toolbox. And, you know, I figured it out, you figured it out uh, just through, you know, graft and, and uh, determination and, and talking to people. But other people, you know, that was harder for them. And they potentially didn't figure that out. And, you know, that anxiety of, of not picking clients up and, and having bills to pay, you know, like in your situation, you're probably lucky. I know you, how much were you paying out when you had to travel all the time? How much was like I think day? my, I think, well, I did it on monthly. So I'd pay for like monthly ah, train right. tickets, monthly metro tickets and monthly like bus tickets. So at the oh, right. end of beginning or end of every month, I'd like renew all of them. Yeah. So I think in total, my train was maybe like, because I only went from Durham to Newcastle, so it's, it's a short journey. The train was like yeah. 120 quid a month, but the bus was maybe like, because that was aircraft to Durham. So that, that was the longest part. Because you've got to remember when you're on buses anywhere, they don't just go from like your, you know, house yeah, yeah. to that the bus stop. They go, it, yeah. they go in and out all Around the time. the houses, yeah. Yeah. So it'd go in and in and out with like Newton Aircliffe. You probably won't know these sounds, Pete. Into like Chilton, Ferry Hill, yeah. up to Spennymoor, and then into Durham. Yeah. So it was like a 40 minute journey. Whereas if you were driving, it'd be a 20 minute journey. But anyway, that was like maybe 80 quid a month. And the Metro right. was maybe 40. So that's what, what we're right. talking there. It, it was at least minimum 200. I think it was more towards like 250 a month Wow, for the transport. 250 yeah, or 300 I, even. I just think, you know, a lot of people maybe don't have the patience or, you know, the situation they're in, they need to hit the ground running. And, you know, they end up just leaving, you know, thinking it's not for them. Um, and maybe, you know, they're just, maybe not a people person. You know, there's lots of different reasons, I think, why people struggle. Um, you know, there were people that, that PT that, you know, stayed probably far too long. Yeah, and and didn't not gonna name, name any names. Not, but yeah. we're not naming names, but you know who. But um, I think you know it was my sort of attitude was like it's gonna have to work. So you know I put the graft in and put the hours in and and you know tried to figure it out as I went along. Um, because I I remember thinking of your situation, thinking like you'd sometimes come in and. You would you wouldn't be able to come in just for one person because it wouldn't no. really make sense, would it? But um, you know, if you'd come in and then quite often you'd have clients and they do cancel on you quite late notice wise, don't they? And if you got in and you had a few and maybe maybe you had four clients, so it's worthwhile you getting in, but then two or three of them cancel. So you you're essentially coming in for one, you know, you just think, Oh, I feel sorry for Lewis, like with that. Yeah, and so I remember I'd, I'd do shift, I think, obviously they changed as the years went on, but I think for a long period of time I'd do a shift on a Monday, Tuesday and Friday. Yeah. Um. So I had Wednesday and Thursdays. This was in the first year, I think. I think I did Monday, Tuesday, Friday shifts. So I'd maybe book one or two clients in on those days, just so I had at least one or two clients. So I felt like I was actually earning money, you know, instead of just going in for my shift. Um. 
and I'd book most of my clients in on my, you know, days I didn't have shifts. So the reason I did that was so, you know, I wasn't traveling in on Wednesday or Thursday just for like two hours, for example. Yeah. So I'd make sure on a Wednesday or Thursday, I'd have at least three to four clients each day. So I might have two on a Monday, two on a Tuesday, like four on a Wednesday, four on a Thursday, and then like maybe three on a Friday. So that's like 14 hours a week because I never used to work Saturday, Sunday. Um, yeah. So yeah, but all, I, like I said, because I couldn't do early mornings, all my sessions were always afternoon evenings. So every day I'd work on an evening. So I'd do my Wednesday, Thursdays, I might have my client, I might have like two clients, one till two, two till three, and then my others were like five till six, six till seven, and then I'd leave at seven, for example. And I'd do the same on a Thursday. Um, but yeah, like, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because at the time, like now, I could never bloomin' dream of doing that. Um, but at the time, I, I just did it, because it was what I had to do. And just going back to both of our situations, like, you almost have no choice. So you just get on with it. You find a way of how to build clients. But I think the biggest reason why we had such a high turnover, and the probably I think there is in a lot of public gyms, not just ours, was that people didn't know how to speak to people. I think it literally comes down to that. Yeah. Because if they did, they'd pick up clients. Because if you remember, yeah. there's... Again, I'm not going to name it. There was one person, one PT who came four to five months, six months after we started. You'll know who I mean without me naming her. Brown hair, alas. And she wasn't there from day one, but she was. She built up a client base quite quickly because she was so good at speaking to people. Hmm. And she wasn't there from day one, whereas a lot of other people who came would say, oh, you've all been here from, you know, the start. So you've got the foundation, you've picked up all the clients. And it's just like, well, no, because if you looked at that person, she came and then within like a month, she had like 10 sessions. And then within like three months, she had like 20 sessions. So she was quite busy just because she was a people person. She knew how to speak to people and turn them into clients. Yeah, I mean, I always got told, I'm sure, like off management as well, that, you know, stories where, you know, management had opened a few gyms, so they they knew how it worked with PTs and and what meant that PTs would stay around or not. And it was always the the story of you know you could be the best PT in the world, but if you can't have a conversation with someone and relate to them, no one's going to hang around and PT with you. And then you could have a PT that knew nothing about PT, but could have the best conversation and relate to 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 someone really well and they'd be chocker with clients so obviously it's, it's having the balance of both isn't it essentially but it just yeah. proves it you know if you can talk to people and relate to people and um you know build that you know friendship no and, like and trust yeah no like and trust then you will pick clients up and that yeah like you say it's a bit of a misconception this you know if you come in and, and it's a established gym and you're the new person and you think well these other pts have got it sewn up that's that's not the case it really isn't the case you've just yeah. got to work a bit harder really haven't you exactly and it's it's not panicking you've just got to be consistent i always got told you know consistency wins the race and it's the same you know you'll tell your clients that 
you know, if they want to get their weight loss goal or fat loss goal that they have to be consistent with their habits. And it's the same with business. If you're not doing the right things consistently, you won't build a business. Exactly. It's the same any any walk of life or part of life, it's consistency, isn't it? It's the it sounds boring and you have to put a lot of hours and work in, but you will get where you need if you do the the right things over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Consistency over time will equal results. And it's just one of those where you might be listening to this thinking, oh, so all he's telling me to do is just stand on the gym floor and I'll get clients and they'll come run to me. No, that's not what we're saying. You still need specific um, structures and systems in place. But if you if you have the, those in place and you stay consistent, you will become a successful PT. It's as simple as that. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yep, I'm in a similar situation to that, you can download our free ebook where we talk about ways which to speak to people on the gym floor, which to package your service if you want to actually earn more money per hour of time. Or if you want to go a little bit deeper and you've already downloaded our ebook, then you can look at our PTP 12-week course information page, which will also be linked within the description, which is a full, full comprehensive deep dive in exactly what you need to build your personal training business. This is, think of this as like the, the five-star service of what you're going to get from us, me and Pete, that is, to build your business. So if you enjoyed this episode, like I said, go th- to the description, hit those links, and we will see you in the next episode. Anything else you want to say, Pete? No, I think you've covered it there, Liz. Spot on. Episode 34, over and out. See you guys.